Media episode 16 is here, and we are discussing the end of It's Always Sunny season 12, a season that was very successful. I think we very much liked it. I think we probably all agree that it was better than probably either of the last two seasons. I'd have to really think harder to really go back farther I don't know than if that. I agree. Okay. I think it was more genre bending. But it was very good. Either whether or not it was the best of the last few, it was really strong. We're very happy with it. And a little sad to see it go, but, you know, it'll be back eventually, I would hope. Well, some more thoughts on that later in the episode. Meta Elements. We're going to be covering A Cricket's Tale and Dennis's Double Life in this episode. And the first episode was really short. It was just over 17 minutes, but at least the finale brought it back to a slightly more normal length at 21 minutes. I wish normal length was 41 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That would be twice as much sunny. <laughs> that would be a lot. That, yeah, that would be awesome. The writers and directors for episodes 9 and 10 were mostly the veterans. We had David Hornsby, of course, that is Cricket, and Scott Martyr, who wrote episode 9. Uh, Jamie Babbitt is the newcomer. She directed episode 9. This is her third episode, all of them this season. But also we had Rob, Charlie, and Glenn writing... Uh, episode 10. And we have Matt Shackman directing episode 10. MVP. Yeah. M- Matt VP. <laughs> Was there any Fred Savage this season? I know he's direct- no. directed or been involved in a lot of episodes. Not this season. Yeah, no. not this time. Maybe next time. Now, what we love looking up connections with between the actors and the directors and writers because so often we go, oh, hey, that's the woman from Blankety Blank or whatever. And it's a fun. It's just fun to find those little connections. Blankety Blank's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> that is a good show. It's fun to make these connections, and it was extra rewarding this time because for episode nine, they brought in some veteran actors who, whose bios were, like, really entertaining to read. Starting with Wayne Fetterman, who was the... Guy, they were the, was the guy that was business they were trying to win that they almost lost. The one that Cricket threatened to, you know, cut his throat or whatever. Yeah, we'll get him back in there. That guy is a stand-up comic. He's a writer. He's written, for, including for Jimmy Fallon. He's appeared on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Community, Comedy Bang Bang, even an episode of The X Files where he played himself. Uh, hmm. I have to check that one out. I don't remember that one. There's also Zach Ward, who is Cricket's brother. And he has over a hundred acting credits. And even though he doesn't seem to be, you know, a particularly older guy. Most famous for being the bully in a Christmas story. Yeah, that was that was really neat to find out. With the out. eyes? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I noticed in the episode, that character oftentimes would come short of cussing. He would cuss sometimes, but sometimes he would just frickin', you know? And I, <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I, remember, I wonder if on some level that was a, a, a reference to how uh, Ralphie got his mouth washed out with soap for saying, Oh, oh fudge. Wow. Only I didn't say fudge in a Christmas story. I wonder if that was... In anyone's mind when they were writing, you know. I was thinking about his dated references being a yeah. reference to that. Oh, yeah. And he throws out the Carl, Carl Lewis, Lewis joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry what I said about Carl Lewis. <laughs> Finally, there was Robert Pine. Now, this was probably the most entertaining of all. This was Cricket's father. And he has been an actor since, like, the late 50s. And he was in that era where there just weren't very many actors, apparently. Because there were... Five, at least five shows where he played more than three different characters. 
on Murder, She Wrote, he played five different characters, for example. <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> they just have a hard time finding white men to cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old men, white men are really rare, especially back then. <laughs> In episode 10, we had Christine Woods. That was Mandy. She was in About a Boy, Walking Dead. She certainly sounded like she was from the Midwest, but she may not actually be. She was born in California, but who knows? Maybe she was raised there. Yeah, probably just a good accent, but maybe that's her natural accent. You'd think it would be hard to be cast regularly if that was an accent you couldn't do anything else with. You know, if you yeah. just have a strong Midwest accent, that kind of limits uh, what you're going to get cast in. <laughs> maybe she'll be in Fargo. Yeah, that'd be great. Glenn Howerton should set her up there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's been out Fargo. That's right. Forgot about that. So here's one thing that's sort of on my mind. I feel like this season wrapped up a couple long-standing, unrequited bits, if you will. Charlie getting together with a waitress and Matt coming out of the closet. Then at the end, Dennis seems like he's leaving. I can't help but wonder if there's some sort of plan to end the show it seems like we would know about that and maybe they're just like keeping options open maybe they just wanted to wrap up those storylines anyway but maybe they wanted to make sure to wrap those up because they wasn't sure where things were going shay i know you kind of keep up with some of the behind the scenes moving and shaking of production of television shows and whatnot do you have any insight into what's going on here well they've definitely been renewed for seasons 13 and 14 for a couple of years now so we're guaranteed two more seasons i mean i guess there is a possibility they would renege on that in some way but i really don't think it's likely i also do remember that there was an interview with them i was it on jimmy fallon i think where they were asked you know hey how long you got you guys have been doing this for a long time how long are you gonna do it and they all were like yeah we're just gonna keep doing it forever we love it fx lets us do what we want we get along with each other why would we stop so I wouldn't be surprised if they've had a similar interview multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> but specifically that interview is, it's a funny story actually, because that's an interview with Emmy Magazine, where they were on the cover of Emmy Magazine. Uh, <laughs> Not and, invited to the... And they weren't, I mean, and they weren't nominated for an Emmy. They were really playing the game. That was around the time that the gang tries desperately to win an award came out. So it was really very meta and funny. And so they did this video interview for them where they were talking about... Why haven't we gotten an Emmy yet? We'll be here in season twenty-two. We'll be here in season thirty-five. We'll be waiting, and they're all and they're all joking about that. But they also seem serious. Like, why would I stop doing this with my best friends and my wife? Why would I stop writing this show? We only have to write ten episodes a season, and what they're going to do here is, and they announced this quite a while before this season even, was that they're going to take an extended hiatus, just like they've done before. They've taken a year and a half, some years, uh, and maybe this time it'll be two years. They've taken that time just to break the new season and write it, and they need that time. So they're going to come back with a 24-episode season, (laughs) right? (laughs) Based on the show 24. (laughs) And so in this case, I kind of feel like this could be them testing the waters a little bit. They're going to make this artistic and creative decision on what's best for the story and for the fans. And if they're getting just inundated on their Twitter accounts with like, Glenn, you better not leave the show or I'm going to kill you, (laughs) then maybe Glenn Howerton should be in it just in a few episodes throughout the season. Like, There's a lot of ways for him to, for Dennis to be in the show, but not be in every episode. And for instance, the gang could be plotting throughout the season on how to get Dennis to come back. 
Yeah. And they could be, like, really bothering him in his life, you know. And plus, how can Dennis last that long? I mean, he only lasted a month in the suburbs. Not even a month. <laughs> Good he, point. He was with Mac there, though. That's and it's true. a Mac thing, they not were. a gay thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to listener Darren Tucker, who had my favorite response to the notion that Glenn Howerton might be leaving the show, which was, intervention, intervention. <laughs> I, think, I think my favorite has been that now... Glenn is on to the step of separate entirely. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how many in-jokes we can make about this situation. But I also want to clarify really quickly that there's some buzz that this might be because Glenn Howerton has an NBC pilot in the works with Patton Oswalt. He said that that isn't the case, that Caitlin Olsen's able to do her work still, and that is certainly true, and he said that that isn't affecting their decision at all. I mean... Let's say he gets that order. If they decide it's creatively right for Dennis to come back, they can just film around that still. But if they don't, then he can throw himself fully into his new show, I guess. I really don't think there's a chance he's not going to be in the next season, at least in most or half of the episodes. I like that idea of him maybe being in some of them and not completely all of them. That would be a good way to kind of compromise on it. In general, glad you cleared that up because I certainly got the wrong impression about the show with Patton Oswalt as well. I was one of those people that thought maybe that was a major potential conflict so good to know narrative obviously because cricket was in this episode the whole time it's the most cricket we've ever had in a season because he's usually just part of an episode but still this was also his third episode of the season and that's generally about as much as we get him uh, just on terms of number of appearances so an extra crickety season you might say (laughs) maybe cricket's moving in to take dennis's place in the gang (laughs) (laughs) wow that would be something (laughs) Another funny thing about this episode, we're of course talking about a cricket's tale first. It was on a Sunday. You may not be aware, even if you're a knowledgeable Sunny fan, you may not be aware this is only the second episode that takes place on a Sunday in their entire run. That is the one other episode was when Mac explained how he got fat in, in the, the church. Booth. In the church, yes. Ah. And cricket used to be a priest. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. So the big reveal in this episode was that Belle was a dog. And I not only knew something fishy was going on there, I definitely didn't jump to, oh, she's a dog, of course. Uh, yeah, but, I didn't see that coming at all. But in retrospect, there's like all sorts of really obvious clues, like how when Belle talks about how Cricket's brother calls her a bitch, how he kicks at her, and then, of course, you see her collar. Yeah, I was suspicious that something was up too. Definitely not guessing that she was a dog. But I thought it was like a reality yeah. show. Or... Cricket even asked her, did someone put you up to this? You know, he was suspicious too. And she's like, no, no. I'm like, hmm, maybe he just found his true love. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes his lemon eating habits? <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> He's going to cut your heart out. <laughs> She didn't weigh in on the PCP, though. (laughs) Dog loves you no matter what. (laughs) This episode had a lot of callbacks to the previous two episodes. Yeah. We see PTSD when Cricket goes in to take a shower. In the urinal. Yeah, in the urinal. (laughs) In that leaky urinal. And as he says outside, my friend's got a real nice setup for me to take a shower in here. Uh, But then, of course, we we see the other side of Dennis and Charlie calling him to be the announcer. You know, of them hiring him for that gig. Yeah. (laughs) 
On one hand, it was even a shorter episode because we were re-seeing a couple scenes. But on the other hand, I really liked it. I liked how they tied that in. I, in general, like to see the same story from different perspectives. And that's what we're getting a little bit of here. Yeah, we see a little further past each of those moments. Not all of those moments, but some of them. Like, we see them after the closing moments. After they're talking about how awful that plan was. And then they offer him the lemons. Yeah. I love Charlie yelling, he loves lemons. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, we see them again at the end in the Gang Tens bar. Right. <laughs> I, of course, love the throwback to Cricket's incredible parkour skills from Mac and Dennis Manhunters, where <laughs> they stared in awe as he ascended the fire escape with ridiculous grace and skill. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the reasons they have gotten nominated for a Stunt Coordination Emmy in the Creative <laughs> Arts Emmy. It's one year or two years. As evidenced by the title, A Cricket's Tale... This was a spoof on fairy tales and Disney yeah. movies. It had a lot of references to things like that, from the obvious, like Lady and the Tramp, which is really the most obvious clue of all that she was a dog <laughs> with that infamous spaghetti scene. Yes. But there was also scenes like the Beauty and the Beast dance uh, to that the music from Beauty and the Beast when they're dancing in the park there. Her name being Belle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There was also sort of a general reference to the idea of Aladdin with him being a street rat and running, stealing bread. And there was also apparently a more specific reference to Les Mis, the musical, in which apparently there's some scene where someone is maybe jumping and running and stealing bread and they call him a street rat. Do they fall into a big bucket of manure? That's my guess, but I honestly didn't care enough to look it up. I really have tried to block out Les Mis from my life. (laughs) I'd try to block out manure from my life. (laughs) And there was the weird dated reference to Carl Lewis, but my favorite was when they brought it back at the end of the episode with, sorry I said that about Carl Lewis. Yeah, of all the things for him to be sorry about, (laughs) that's what he apologized for. That's so good. Uh, He couldn't let that stand. I wonder, by the way, if Charlie would be jealous of that whole spaghetti situation. (laughs) (laughs) He found a place with a really lax spaghetti policy. (laughs) So let's move on to Dennis's double life. Yeah. It starts off with Mac talking about their new apartment. As we learn, this is actually a replica of their old one, as Dennis says, bizarre. So weird. (laughs) (laughs) A gown to the sombrero on the wall. So weird. Dennis's reaction was our reaction. He's like, this is... (laughs) No. I thought it was bizarre in a good way. (laughs) Well, we laughed. That's good. I really loved the, are you right or (laughs) left-handed? And everyone agreed with Charlie that that could come up. There was no reason for that to come up. (laughs) I do. It's a common thing that they do is there's some issue at hand and everyone's in this panic. They got to figure it out. And they're all just worried about some random detail that is not important at all. (laughs) I love that. One of them is of their personality. Yeah, one of them is focused on the problem as it matters, and the rest are just bringing up things that are completely <laughs> irrelevant, not don't matter. But that becomes the most important thing. <laughs> and sometimes they're right about the random thing mattering. <laughs> sometimes it really is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's that ties into when they when Dennis asks everyone for a plan. Max's plan is really bad. D's pl- D points out that you're not even going to listen to my plan. <laughs> Dennis is like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Charlie, of course, has already moved Hold on to something else, which is similar to focusing on something that doesn't matter, that's irrelevant, bringing up an irrelevant point. He's thinking, man, if I get the waitress pregnant, then <laughs> he's already moved on to something else. And then... His plan has backfired. <laughs> and then Frank's plan was the... 
<laughs> decent proposal. <laughs> but thankfully, Dennis is always tweaking things based on the situation. <laughs> I think one of my favorite running jokes throughout the episode was everything being about emotion with women. <laughs> whoa, D, whoa, we're just trying to have a conversation here. Part of it was also that throughout the season, we always see the Always Sunny promos as we watch each episode, and they've really been running that one, that particular one, over and over. I've seen that one like a dozen times yeah. by now, I feel like, that everything's about emotion with women. And they had like six different times where they talked about that in this episode, including... It's always about money with women. <laughs> but they had like, don't get all emotional. You need to learn to control your emotions to the waitress about mm-hmm. being a mom. And don't be a whore, D. Don't be a whore. I just need to I just need to sleep. Don't try to sleep. <laughs> I think my favorite though was if you're emotional, smash an egg into a pan. <laughs> yeah. Don't cause problems, fix problems. <laughs> it is another the trope of their gang is that one of them or multiple of them will be upset for someone else for doing the same thing they're already doing. They're all being emotional. They're all worked up and upset and yell at D for being emotional. Yeah, they're, that, gi- they're giant hypocrites. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens with Charlie and the waitress. He's like, you're coming on a little strong right now. And yeah, D points that out. You were stalking her for 15 years. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> the way they all... Just barge into D's place <laughs> and then complain. Who would just go into someone's apartment and take over? <laughs> D's bottom lines in this episode were perfect. She just she just had every situation captured right. She's like, you are the you're stalking him. She just had it all right. Was it was it Frank? Who was it that came in and needed to stay there? And she's like, no, hard no. <laughs> yeah, hard no. <laughs> Another thing I really appreciated was Mary Elizabeth Ellis's acting, the waitress in that scene when she's confronting Charlie, if you will. And uh, he's even kind of getting serious and emotional. He's like, I love you, you know. And she's like, what's so special about me? You know, like, I thought that was actually a really good moment of acting. And it reminded me of an earlier moment with Dennis in the Gang 10's bar when he was, like, pretty genuinely upset, kind of talking about the Valentine's Day and there, da, da, da. It's like, that. those are, like, I don't know how to say this, but I felt a sort of seriousness as I was watching and feeling. that's like, whoa, that, that's a, where's the joke? This is like serious. This is a good little moment of performance on their part. So. It was a po- it was a kind of a poignant moment. I agree because that is something that people with low self esteem have issues with sometimes. Is how can this person possibly like me? And that kind of warps itself into well, you're not good if you like me because I'm not good. So yeah, it's kind of it's very self defeating. It's a real thing. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting that they dropped that in there. A very realistic, a very realistic aspect to their situation. I also appreciate that I kind of went back and forth in my thoughts on this. Charlie has this crush on her. And a lot of times guys have crushes on girls. I suppose maybe girls have crushes on guys too. And it's No. no. <laughs> pretty, pretty much physically based. It's just she's pretty. You just have a crush. You don't really know her. Charlie doesn't really know the waitress. And so this crush he has is superficial or, you know, obsession or something. If anyone really knows the waitress, it's Charlie, given how many right. years he's been stalking Well, that's her. what I was going to say. That's why I kind of went back and forth in his thought. Like the idea that he has his crush on her and goes after her but he doesn't really know her then they finally get together and her true personality comes out Dee's like she's always been a bitch and he's like oh I gotta get out of here except like you said Charlie does really know her he's actually been spying on her and keeping up with her life although maybe still he knows her through his rose colored glasses he knows the patterns of his life he doesn't know her true personality he's also been disillusioned with her in the past like in Flowers for Charlie when he gets very smart and he immediately is like why do I like this woman yeah that's true true yeah 
With Dennis's double life, of course, the main callback is to the Wade Boggs trip, which is how he went to North Dakota in the first place and how he met Mandy and all that. But there's also a huge callback to Brian Lefebvre. You know, it is Dennis's double life, but Mac also has a double life. <laughs> and uh, Mac's trying to add to the mystique of his double life for the <laughs> partnership with Dennis here. Yeah, he doesn't want to be himself. Griffin. <laughs> Griffin. Griffin. <laughs> Mac, of course, multiple times tries to kind of move in on Dennis a bit. He grabs his arm. He talks about <laughs> sharing the bed with him and all these other little very obvious <laughs> ways of getting closer to him that Dennis is not interested in. <laughs> also felt like the way that Dennis tried to like, no, no, we don't sleep together. No, well, uh, you know, I thought it, that Mandy might buy it. You know what I mean? Like Dennis, like he was in this relationship, but he hasn't quite come to terms with it. Doesn't want to admit to it. Eventually, there's too much craziness for her to <laughs> to buy it. <laughs> but what they said about the relationship wasn't that far off in some places. And he said that he's very emotionally involved with him and all that. Obviously, Dennis isn't Mac's gimp. And Mac <laughs> will need a new gimp now. <laughs> Nor is Dennis Mac's power bottom. Although, they have talked about this in the past. Specifically about Dennis being Mac's power bottom back when they were <laughs> Hugh Honey and Vic Vinegar. <laughs> they right. certainly have talked about power bottoms in general a few other times. <laughs> certainly a recurring theme. And the more recent recurring theme is the Ass Pounder 4000. Which That's the real some, power bottom. The real <laughs> power bottom. Now, you found some interesting extra information about this, didn't you? Yes, I did. That the inspiration for this, the, this is from Charlie Day. He said that there was this man in Ireland or Scotland who was found dead on one of those. What? <laughs> and they just had a lot of conversations about it. It piqued their interest. And they weren't trying to make a point like, this is what all gay people are doing. <laughs> they were trying to specifically say, this is what the crazy, insane Mac is doing. <laughs> Which they made that point outright in the episode. They wanted that to be clear, that people are depraved. <laughs> a couple of minor references that also popped up, like Charlie saying things wrong, Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> <laughs> and their love of eggs, Frank's love of eggs yeah. specifically. <laughs> Why would you make Frank his eggs? They're really panicking. There no eggs there. Eggs! The eggs! They should have just gotten some crow eggs. <laughs> I didn't ask you what you think. Yes, you did. <laughs> and then we had the return of the rocket from the previous episode from the Gang Tents Bar. And they finally got the rocket for the rocket launcher. And then they blow up Dennis's Range Rover <laughs> at the end. Which is odd because he left without it. He left the bar and just I did away. wonder, but maybe he was like, I don't want to pay airport parking fees. Parking fees. Yeah, I'm just going to leave my car here. He just Ubered straight to the airport, and that was it. That, maybe he just went for a is. walk and needed to gather himself. And he's going to come back, and that's what's going to keep him in the gang. He's yeah, like, yeah. How dare you? They're going to find his body in an alley. He was uh, murdered. The golden god's rage is untethered. <laughs> By one of the McPoyles. I'm sure he's going to find a way to find D responsible for the blown up car. <laughs> Fair's fair, though. Her perspective. D finally got to destroy someone else's car, yeah, or at least be party to it. They made another attempt to fake a death here. One of my favorite moments in the show is when uh, they were afraid Max's dad was going to kill him, so they tried to fake his death, running a car into the wall. <laughs> they tried to fake D's baby's death. Little Barnabas. <laughs> oh, little Barney, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. <laughs> Which leads us to their horrible acting whenever they're <laughs> fake acting, which is a recurring theme that is so good. They're so bad at acting that it's so good. 
I think it was most strikingly reminiscent of Mac Day, specifically when Mac is going to pretend to jump off the yeah. bridge. <laughs> and Charlie's like, his name is his so-and-so. Name is Mac. Wait, no, we don't know his name. We don't know each other. Hi. I'm... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so good. The one time you get good fake acting from them is when Dee's doing an accent. That's the one time. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, here we have, they got Dennis. Dane, I mean. Dane Brass. <laughs> Which is another alias to add to Dennis's pile. We've got Hugh Honey, Brian Lefebvre, Dane Brass. <laughs> and there's the scene where they're trying to cheer Dennis up. I guess that's what they're doing. But... I don't know if they were just cel- I think they were celebrating. It was my okay, idea. Yeah, maybe they were, that's what they were doing. Because the case... plan worked. Yeah, <laughs> the plan worked. In any case, it was all of them doing their signature dances, which was really good. We <laughs> Two had... Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club, which was from the Thanksgiving episode. Oh, perfect. So we had Mac doing his karate moves. We had Dee doing the wind guy. The, it's the, the inflatable the, the, tube man. Tube man, yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. I couldn't think of it. The inflatable sock puppet was, was, <laughs> like, was what popped into my head. Yeah. Then we've got Charlie doing his butt dance and Frank doing his go for it, go for it, go. Yeah, Shibuya roll call. Shibuya roll call. <laughs> uh, and then we had Dennis just sitting there. And I don't know about you guys, but by the end of the episode, I was a Dennis. <laughs> that was my reaction. <laughs> I think one of my favorite running jokes that they've had, and they don't do it all that often, but they've definitely done it a lot more recently, which is Dennis wanting and failing to have a dramatic moment. (laughs) (laughs) When he wants to be the one to tell them what's going on, like, you'll never guess. And they just guess. Uh, you wanted too, to say it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah here we are. The pause is too big. <laughs> he turns the lights off. They're like, we're, we're still here. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> there were even customers in the bar in the background. Have you noticed that yeah, there's a guy drinking? Just turn the lights off on him. <laughs> we already mentioned the indecent proposal reference, which turned out to be a decent proposal of five grand. But Mac is interested. Can anyone get into this? For five grand, I'd power through. <laughs> <laughs> For Cricket's Tale, I wouldn't say there was a ton of audio. They used some of their famous, long-running Werner Tout songs to great effect. There's a lot of that music, which they always have, but it was even more prominent. They used it during the chase scene. There was there was some sad, you know, is he going to smoke the PCP music to lead mm-hmm. it to, to lead us into it? And then, they, of course, they fooled us because he did smoke the PCP, but they showed it as if he didn't. They used the sad music well in Dennis's Double Life, too. That moment when he was holding his son... And the sad music played. It was enough that I, once again, I felt like this little bit of emotion from this harebrained, crazy comedy about these terrible people. I like felt this little poignant piece of my heartstrings being pulled. It even got me to immediately think about the old lady episode and how you could use the music to manipulate the audience just as much as the laugh track. I was like, uh, wow, they're doing a good job with it here. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. Glenn, good <laughs> acting there. <laughs> Turned out Dennis was being genuine. <laughs> we also had that sexy music that Charlie was playing to set the mood for the waitress there. <laughs> Some slow jazz. She was on to him right away. She's like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> and as we already mentioned, there was Genius of Love. 
And I think my favorite audio element was also a visual element in a lot of ways. It was the late gunshot. <laughs> yeah, which goes with the bad acting thing. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of different elements there. That was so good. Oh, that's there it is. There is the gunshot that it came after you saw the blood. <laughs> I wonder if their plan would have worked out if they timed the gunshot and the blood better. I wonder if it would if she would have bought it. Probably not. Probably not. But. <laughs> the way they run about oh, Dennis Dane. Oh, yeah, he has so many names. Yeah, the very idea that she would just be like, okay, I'll leave your body here. <laughs> yeah. Bye, I'll run away now. And you can't accept any assets from me. In the Visual elements. One thing that was kind of subtle was the waitress dressed up just like Charlie. It was like she had the same sweatpants and, and hoodie with partly half zipped up with a t-shirt. and She's even got really short hair too now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> they definitely mirrored each other in a lot of ways. The show does a really good job with costuming and, I mean, makeup and prosthetics even. I mean, they don't get a lot of credit for it. But things like Charlie has to wear the same clothes all the time. It has to look beat up and dirty. Mac has to have his cut-off tees. You know, they all have signature style and their styles change over the years, but there's definitely common attributes over all 12 years. Max should get some credit for staying bulked up, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's tacked on a lot of mass. <laughs> but I think the most impressive two occurrences are, one is gone from the show now, but was Marine Ponderosa as a cat, but the other is Rickety Cricket. And yeah, you see yeah. that in a cricket's tail. He has to have those full, like, prosthetics and makeup and scars and the hair that they put on him and just everything. And he looks so different than David Hornsby looks in real life. That man's hard on the eyes. <laughs> now, they used to, as part of the whole PCP trick that they did with cricket, we have the, the joint bouncing on the edge of the trash can, kind of like, will it fall in, will it miss, etc. slow-mo fall. Yeah, then we have the reveal of Belle as a dog and it was a montage showing all the scenes past and how they would have worked out and showing how you know what the, what what was really going on with dramatic music yes <laughs> yes dramatic reveal music yes <laughs> charlie presented the waitress with some graphical charts showing her how her life had gone up because of Charlie and down without him. If you remember how long it took Matt to make his different signs for the Reynolds versus Reynolds serial defense, I wonder how long it took Charlie to make all that. He probably did it a lot quicker because that's just his normal writing style, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pictographs. I think my favorite tiny little detail in the whole season so far was just the poster in Dennis' Double Life for Thundergun 2, still gunning, and it's got a, <laughs> a guy gunning. holding his gun, like, very phallically at his crotch. <laughs> He's hanging dong. <laughs> but I also really liked the thing Aziz mentioned earlier, which was just a tiny moment where Mac just really grabs Dennis's arm like they're a couple. Yeah, it was, I also caught that it was... A split seconds just before the scene ended when they were talking to Mandy. Just before the scene cuts, Mac has a smile on his face and kind of puts his arm under Dennis's elbow and, and puts his hand on his shoulder, you know. Holds. It's right It's right after he says they'll they'll raise the kid together. Yeah. He's yeah. so happy. <laughs> oh, it makes me sad for Mac. <laughs> Final thoughts. So let's get into our favorite moments of the episodes and... After this, we're going to get into our top three episodes of the season. Yeah, that's fun. So what was your favorite moment from A Cricket's Tale, Sean? My favorite moment was absolutely in the beginning with the chase scene. The way he kept like throwing obstacles in the way of the guy chasing him that were just 
pointless. You know, <laughs> like, they weren't in his way at all. <laughs> and it's such a trope in chase scenes for things to be knocked down to slow the person behind him. But I just like how the things he did just didn't matter. <laughs> and the way he would like barrel into people and knock them down unnecessarily could just run by them but he pushes them over papers go flying other people trip on the gumballs he has time to stop and put a quarter turn a thing for the gumballs to throw them exactly. we all know cricket shouldn't have a quarter <laughs> he had to trade a lemon for that quarter <laughs> what about you aziz i love cricket's line about where he's sleeping tonight he's like in a bed? Nah, too exposed. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite lines were the Carl Lewis lines, specifically when he says, sorry about what I said about Carl Lewis. <laughs> just really gets me. I think it's just a thing I like in TV shows and movies in general, when someone apologizes for something that they really did not need to apologize for, when something else even more egregious is there Needs as well. Needs to be, yeah. <laughs> So what about our favorite moments for Dennis's double life? What was your favorite, Aziz? My favorite moments from this, this was hard to pick. I think it was the, the whole cavalcade of callbacks was just, so I won't pick just one, but if I had to pick one moment that was new, I would go with the, are you right or left-handed? I'm going to go with left. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> it was so earnestly serious. Well, think, let's pick the one that I actually am. I think my favorite was, again, a part of the callbacks was the scene with them all dancing at the oh, end with their signature yeah. dance moves. But part of it was also that I loved the cut to Dennis, just stoic, depressed looking right there next to that. What about you, Sean? I, I truly can't decide my favorite moment from this episode. There was like a dozen different ones that I all really liked. I think I just have to default to the dancing. I just, whenever <laughs> characters start dancing, I, I'm going to like it. And it, they did a particularly good job of choosing a song that's fun to dance to, calling back to their signature dance moves, the dichotomy between their positive attitudes about the plan working and Dennis being depressed, even though it was his plan or whatever, <laughs> or the plan was for him. Fandomedia.reviews. What about our top three episodes of the season? Ooh, fun. Okay. A fun thing is that all of us have the same number one of the season. Yeah, hero or hate crime. Yay. <laughs> that was, of course, the episode where Matt comes out. Or, well, he stays out. <laughs> <laughs> because he was paid. $14. <laughs> we knew it that easy. <laughs> and so... My next two were the Gang Tense Bar, the Valentine's Day episode, which I just loved, and then PTSD, which I was really into, the big twist. I thought it was one of the most awful, like awful as in just so conniving plans that they'd ever had, and most successful. This is your rock bottom, D. <laughs> and so, what were your guys' top three? My other two were the Gang Turns Black for a million reasons, I like the social commentary, but also there's a lot of opportunities for them to dance and that catchy songs and uh, genre bending, like you mentioned, this season is. And then my other one is Old Lady House. Again, sort of genre bending. I like how that one really demonstrated their understanding of television production and comedy in general. And also, it's kind of like a unique episode. Well, it seems like certain episodes were pretty popular with us because both of my number two and three are ones that you guys named. <laughs> I'd say my number two is the Gang Tens Bar, just like you, Shay. And my number three is The Gang Turns Black. I love the music in that one. It still sticks with me. I still sing, When you just turn black and you can't switch back, well, you gotta go and find out the rules. I just still <laughs> stuck with me. For me, what sticks with me is, what are the rules? That What one? are the rules? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that's going to be stuck in my head again, too. Yeah. It was already stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
that does it for our coverage of It's Always Sunny Season 12. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you've uh, stuck with us through the whole season. And whenever they come back for Season 13, you can expect us to be back covering it, laughing hard along with all the great jokes and looking for more great references and callbacks. It's one of our favorite shows of all time, and I think our coverage shows that. (laughs) And let us know if you have any interest in us covering previous seasons as a whole. We would not be averse to that if we got people who were interested in the idea. Absolutely. That would be a lot of fun to go back and maybe pick out our favorite episodes and cover those, or maybe go certain seasons, or maybe do all of it. Who knows? We, as a new podcast, are very much open to suggestions and feedback. We'll go in the direction that you all want us to go. There, there's a man. He, he, he's coming. He's, he's, he's Fandy. And he's signing off. <laughs> and I'm Brian LaFan. And I'm Fan Brass. <laughs>